Oh yeah, today's podcast is sponsored by the good people at BetterHelp. H-E-L-P, help. And listen, I struggle with asking for help, but BetterHelp wants us to start living a happier life today. Uh, if there's something that is interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals, uh, you know, my response is always everything. Everything is interfering with my happiness and helping me achieve my goals. Uh, And that's why I have a teletherapist. I have, (laughs) actually, Michelle and I have a teletherapist. We have uh, a couples therapist. I have uh, a life coach. I I got a whole team around me because I need help. H-E-L-P, people. Uh, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is also committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed anytime. The service is available for clients worldwide and you can start communicating in just under 48 hours. That That's huge right now because all my friends who are therapists, um, they're booked to the gills and I have friends who are looking for therapists and they're like, I can't find any therapists. Well, I'm like, go check out BetterHelp. If you go to BetterHelp, dot com forward slash leo you'll get 10 percent off your first month that's right 10 percent off and now it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it's professional counseling done securely online better help is not the right solution for you if you have thoughts of hurting yourself or others and that if you have those thoughts call the suicide hotline number or any of the international numbers. Or remember, you can go online and chat. You can text. All that information is in all of the show notes. But if you need someone to just feel like they're on your side and can get you from point A to point B, go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo Flowers and get that 10% off now. Uh, and start living a happier life. With that said, let's jump into the episode. Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Ah, the crowd goes wild. Uh, what, what's today? What, what's today is uh, Saturday, and I'm glad you joined me. I have so much to talk about today. I've been really, we're going to talk about um, ambiguous loss, uh, a little melancholy. I talked a little bit about that last time, how to know your enemy. Um, Are you working towards recovery or relapse? Uh, Why there isn't always room for improvement. Uh, (laughs) How I found a mole on my back. We're going to talk global warming anxiety. There's a lot of people out there who have a lot of angst about, you know, global warming and the world coming to an end and us feeling like a burden. We're going to talk, we're going to talk about my favorite online game right now, which is WeWordle and acceptance. Uh, and we'll probably talk about some other things also. So I want to talk about um, what I've been going through lately. And I just, I have been struggling. Strug- I've been on a, struggle bus 
just breaking down in tears in at the grocery store at uh, yesterday I went and got a COVID test and I'm, I'm walking back to my car from my uh, uh, the COVID test and I just break down sobbing um I mean just balled over fetal position in the car embarrassed because like another car pulled up next to me um and just the ideations were flooding in um and it was just so and it's one of those things where i couldn't put my finger on it i'm, I'm like it is it's happening at these random times um random places and th there's no i i can't quite figure it out and so i i remembered reading something about ambiguous loss which i i hadn't understand like i've like we've all heard about grieving and the seven state not maybe we haven't but you know there's the seven stages of grief but uh ambiguous loss and i was like i think that's what i'm experiencing right now because i'm i've been going through so many changes with <clears throat> excuse me with the move from la to san diego and then all the different um health issues I'm undergoing, which still has not been resolved. If this is your first time tuning in, um, I have uh, asthma-related COVID, but there might be some other things going on now. They're talking about liver, kidney, all that stuff. And and so I, I can't, I'm not as active as I used to be. Uh, I can't, you know, I used to hike and and really be outdoors and hike by myself, you know, doing five peak trails and just really out there in the woods, you know, my electrolytes and trail mix. And sometimes I had my, the, the cleats, I forget what they call the cleats you put. That's, that's, how, that's how long it's been since I hiked the cleats you put on your boots. Um, I've been having these random dizzy spells. Um, but my point is I'm, I'm sharing all this with you. And then also like uh, because of the move that that um, since COVID, you know, I, I'm, I'm not around my social group that I had. You know, most of my friends that I moved out here with from uh, 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 Indiana from college, they all live in, in L.A. But, you know, now they're married, they have kids. And, and so it's really become a challenge um, reestablishing myself in terms of a social network um, and then dealing, you know, re-identifying who I am uh, actively. Like who, you know, who is this, this Leo Flowers now that, um, you know, was always hiking and outdoors and now being outdoors can trigger my asthma because of the pollen and things like that. So how do I, how do I move physically and and what kind of exercises can I do safely? Um, so there's just this ambiguous loss that that's happening. And, and then global warming, we'll, we'll talk about all that. But so if you're still not clear on what ambiguous loss is, and I want to bring this up because I think there are a lot of people out there who are experiencing this, especially with COVID. You know, uh, a lot of people who were used to going into work and now are staying home. Um or who have had to move. So ambiguous loss is 
typically a term to refer to a lack of information and closure that surrounds the loss of a loved one, right? Uh, at its core, ambiguous loss is also about a lack of resolution. Um, but there are typically two types of ambiguous loss, right? Uh, type one deals with physical loss, like when you don't know for sure whether someone you love has died or what has happened to them. Think, for example, of a parent whose child had been kidnapped or a person whose spouse has gone missing on military deployment. Um, so, and, and that includes like unexplained disappearances, uh, war and acts of terrorism, deportation, uh, natural disasters. All those are types of ambiguous loss. Uh, divorce, we, we know uh, right now, a lot of people are getting married during this. We're in the summer now, if you're listening to this in real time. But um, so a lot of people are getting married, but there's also been a number of divorces. And we know that divorce is like 50% of, of most marriages, or at least that's what they say. Uh, if, you've under, if you've been through an adoption, if you were uh, adopted, you might be experiencing uh, ambiguous loss, estrangement, incarceration. Um, and so incarceration in that either you're going to jail, you're, right, or even you got out of jail. Because if you've been in jail for 10, 20 years, it's a whole different world. Technology is moving so fast. I just watched this thing about um, you know, putting human skin on our over a robot and now the robot we have robots walking around with human skin and you know and able to talk to you and, and have a conversation and crack I mean the, the 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 future is now it's here um and but also you know you have ambiguous loss like separation due to immigration and and we know there's so many people who are migrating due to uh, different reasons um, but, uh, and then the other type of, or if you've been ghosted, oh, that's an ambiguous loss, right? Somebody just stopped showing up or stopped calling or, or if you've been, if you've been fired, uh, for seemingly no reason, oh, um, that's an, it's like a, just a vague loss, you know? Um, and then the other type of, uh, ambiguous loss, they call it type two which I don't know if I like calling it type two. It makes me think of diabetes, and, and it just it, it sounds like it's so much uh, worse than it is. But type two uh, of ambiguous loss refers to a psychological loss, including a mental or emotional disappearance, like when someone's personality has changed so much that they no longer seem like the person you once knew. And typically you'll see that, in uh, someone who has dementia uh, if, uh, or had a traumatic brain injury. We know that, especially with a lot of athletes who are undergoing, um, who, who are experiencing uh, CTE or any type of head trauma, um, you know, they, they just are a completely different person. And, and if, if you are or if you know someone who's struggling with a drug or alcohol addiction, right? They're, they're typically two completely different people. The person who is on drugs and then the per when, they, when they're off drugs, wow. Sometimes the sober person 
is <laughs> more challenging to deal with than the uh, than the person on drugs. You know, it's it's it, it can be ironic like that. Um, and then if you have someone who um, is experiencing depression or some type of chronic mental illness, I had a buddy of mine who at the in his early twenties. You know, we grew up together from the age of nine. You know, Thanksgiving, holidays, uh, played games, we hung out. And then in his early 20s, schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia with uh, with psychosis. So he was hearing and seeing things and then had to be admitted. And I think, like, permanently, unfortunately. You know, this was so long ago. And I think they just, it was a time where they were throwing people in the institutions and just kind of leaving them there. I don't know where he is now. I, I don't know, uh, unfortunately, really how that works. At, at what point do they get to stay there? How how he was paying for it? Um, you know, I was in my twenties at the time, and I wished I had asked more questions and, and found a way to really stay in touch with him. Um, but but to this day, I, I think about you know I'm 46 and I still think about where he is, what he's doing, and uh, and I and I you know I try to search for him on um, uh, Facebook, but um, but anyway, and biggest loss is definitely hard to handle. It's so much easier to deal with uh, a very clear loss, right? Um, but oh, you know, also uh, a miscarriage if you've undergone a miscarriage. That's an ambiguous loss also because um, there's there's so much where you are trying to replay what 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 you could have done differently or uh, what could have caused it and, and there's no and nobody has any real answers for you right um, and, and that's tough because that's what we want we want answers I want I want answers and I want them now and. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of what we experience in life doesn't have a clear-cut answer. It doesn't have, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out how how the universe started. I, I mean, if you're religious and you say well, God, it's fine. Uh, and then there, there's you are more scientific route, or you're combining the two. But but you know, those are we have our beliefs. We have what we believe, but there's no solid answer for, uh, like, why me? Why Leo Flowers out of all the sperm that was swimming to the egg? Why did my sperm make it to the, the egg? You know, like, there's um, there's, just, there's no answers uh, to, to everything. And so, so then how do we deal with, with ambiguous loss how do we deal with this thing um that that takes us through you know basically the stages of grief where there's some denial and anger and depression um, and then hopefully um that you fall into acceptance and i think you know the first way to deal with this is you know to to name it to name what you're going through when i when i think about myself breaking down in that car and just full of tears. And I was like, okay, I think I'm, I'm experiencing some type of ambiguous loss. Now, 
is is that the case? Is that the, is that fact? I don't know. But what I do know is by naming it, I felt it dissipate. I felt the weight. It, it I felt the tears start to slow down and my breathing, you know, slow down and I was able to 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 exhale a little deeper. I, I felt like, okay, we are we're moving in the right direction. I'm not trying to suppress my experience. I'm not trying to deny it. I'm I'm labeling it. Now, it could be medication that I'm taking. It could be the weather. It could be, um, you know, so, so many other things, some PTSD from my childhood, or it could be head trauma from, you know, seven years, eight years of, of football, but really more than that if you count uh, the, uh, you know, just the football is playing on the streets on concrete. Con- <laughs> I I look back and I'm like, who thought this was a good idea to let kids play football in the street on concrete? Like we're we're just asking for uh, an ambiguous loss right there. But, uh, but, but just to name it. And then, you know, I was like, okay, all right. I think that's what we're, we're going through. I like that. Let's go with that. All right. Now, now we're moving and grooving. It's almost like when, uh, you watch those movies and they're they're in a board meeting and they're trying to come up with ideas for a new marketing strategy and they're throwing out this and that and that and this and then finally somebody says something and the room goes, oh yeah yeah I like that keep going keep going tell me more. you know and there's a little bit of excitement I felt that when I was like oh, I think this is ambiguous loss that I'm that I'm going through uh, and so. Just being able to like recognize it for what it is, um, uh, you know, brings you to center. And so you might hear some ruckus uh, note uh, because we just got a dog, uh, Mila. She's a six week old uh, Frenchie, and uh, and uh, and Mila is not entering the premises. So. So that's number one, uh, name what you're going through. Number two is work toward acceptance. And acceptance is tough. I'm, I, I, it's hard for me to accept a lot of things. I don't, um, you know, it's hard for me to accept help, you know, even though we're sponsored by BetterHelp. But it's, it's hard for me to accept help. And I, I realize I spent so much of my life suffering because I was the, I was turning down all the help that was offered. Yesterday, when I broke down in a car and, and just tears welling up, um, part of it was um, I reached out for help. I reached out for, I, I, I immediately contacted my therapist and left a voice memo about I was feeling and just full of tears. It was like a two-minute voice memo. It was like, what's going on? And uh, and thankfully, thankfully, my therapist called me back. But by that time, I had already, I had already just, let me tell you something. Here's the power 
of reaching out for help. Calling her and leaving that two-minute voice memo of what I was experiencing and feeling and thinking, it, it brought me so much levity and, and serenity and calmness and tranquility. And this is without me even talking to her. This is without she and I having a discussion. It was just knowing that I had a safe place to share. And I was just so grateful that I could leave that with her. And now it's it's out of my head, off my chest, and is out there in the universe. And even if she doesn't call me back, I, I already feel myself go from a, a 10 in terms of intensity down to a 5. And that's the beauty of, of reaching out and connecting. And then I also um, reached out to another friend of mine who I hadn't talked to in maybe a year. And I just I just sent the text and, and, and he reached out and was like, hey, man, if you want to talk uh, tomorrow, uh, you know, I'm free. And, and that's the beauty in that, I love that he didn't say, hey, I'll, let's talk right now. You know, he put boundaries on it. You know, he, he had things he had to do, and he was like, tomorrow, though, we can have a conversation. And then uh, the, the third beautiful part is even my girlfriend was like, hey, do, do you need to talk? Is everything okay? And just that checking in, that feeling seen and, and heard, and that, that was enough. That was, that was beautiful right there. So when we accept how we feel and then we're able to share it, uh, it, it, it helps to dissipate the intensity of the pain and the suffering. And then we also feel less alone. We feel less alone because when we accept it, we go, okay, all right, this is how I'm feeling. And then we own it. We own it. And then you go, okay, I can't be the only one dealing with this. This, this is part of the human, human, this is what humans feel. This is part of what being a part of humanity is, is sometimes uh, we're going to feel some ambiguous loss, some pain, hurt, heartbreak. I think that was a part of my ambiguous loss also is um, just a, a heartbreak over expectations. I don't know if you can relate to this, but I have an expectation of how I'm always supposed to feel, of how life is always supposed to be. And, and when it's not that, I, I'm, I'm, I, can be, I can feel disappointed. I can feel um, uh, disparaged. And I have to recognize that I'm not entitled to feel any type of way permanently. Like that's preposterous to always feel calm, to always feel present. Like that's, it's unreasonable and it's unfair to the human experience. So the third way to deal with ambiguous loss is to reach out for support. And I know that <laughs> You know, I've, I've received messages from people who have said um, reaching out for support can compromise 
their job, could compromise their lifestyle. There, there's some places in the world where if you call the suicide hotline number or if you get uh, therapeutic help, if you work with a counselor or psychologist and, and that's on your record, then uh, you could be fired or not promoted or ostracized or even, um, you know, institutionalized. And, and I'm, I'm very em- uh, empathetic to that. And so letting people know that you might be struggling uh, mental health-wise might be putting your whole livelihood uh, in danger. And so, you know, what do you do then? And part of, you know, this is where creativity has to come into play, where I, I know people who have uh, got on like Reddit or um, joined other groups like maybe a book group or, or whatever, and they use code words or they use uh, aliases. You might really have to be creative and how you reach out for support. You might have to create your own language, your own lingo, kind of like the mafia. You know how the mob, when they're making that phone call and they know that the phone is tapped, and they're like, yo, uh, the, the rat is, uh, is exiting Kronos, so we might have to composite the Mona Lisa uh, for the uh, external uh, extrapolation. And, you know, that, that just means, you know, meet me at the pizza shop 3 p.m. And so we have to be creative. That's the beauty of being human is that we get to be creative in how we reach out for support and how we connect and get our fix. So, like I said, some of the, the solutions, and I, I'm hesitant to say solutions, uh, but some of the, the ways in which you can manage and deal with your mental health are not always going to be in the books. It's going to require creativity. It's just like I was reading in the New York Times, this guy, 83 years old, 83 from Japan. Um, I, I, I would say his name, but I don't want to butcher it. Um, shout out to my, my listeners in Japan, 83 years old, and he sailed uh, solo, uh, across the Pacific ocean by itself. It was like a, what, March, April, May, June. So it was like three to four months across the Pacific ocean by himself. He lived on rice and canned food. And what I love is in his quote, he said, I, I don't train for this kind of thing. Cause he did it once before, uh, in his, in, in the 1960s or in his sixties. I don't remember, but, um, He's like, I don't train. He goes, I, I, I stay ready. My body is all, I'm always in shape. Um, he goes, I never overeat and I never overdrink. And I love that quote because, you know, it denotes that it's not that he doesn't eat and it's not that he doesn't drink. He doesn't overdo anything. He, he just, he, 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 he fills himself with enough, enough, right? So we, we don't have to, um, there's some things I know that if I have one bite of it, um, I, I'm going to eat all of it. There's just some things I can't moderate. But um, so it was beautiful, one, that at 83, he set this goal for himself 
and he did it. And and who's gonna who's gonna tell an eighty three year old, hey, if you want to live a, a a a healthy life and feel engaged and feel fulfilled, set sail over the Pacific Ocean. No one is gonna recommend that. It's not gonna be in any Buzzfeed top ten or any of that. That was something that was in his heart, in his gut, in his instincts. That was in his vision, in his dreams. And so the sometimes the way for you to support yourself and to help yourself and to ground yourself is to listen to yourself, to just be in, just sit quietly and see what comes up. And it might be setting sail across the Pacific Ocean. It might be, you know, experimenting with a pancake recipe. It, it doesn't have to be something as audacious as, uh, you know, going to Mars or, or Pluto. But, uh, but it's about listening to yourself and being creative with how you seek out support. You know, I've always talked about, you know, calling a 1-800-CUSTOMER line and just talking to them. It, it doesn't have to be always about, oh, here's what I'm going through and I'm, really ha- I'm having a really tough time. Sometimes just talking to somebody about anything, about sports, about a book you just read, about a place you want to go, a YouTube video you watched, just talking to somebody about anything, something to get you out of your head, to get you out of the house, because that's where Michelle and I are at in our relationship. We're, We're just doing things to get out the house. But it's about how do you get out your head, out your house, how do you get into your body? That's, that's where we live, in our bodies. So reach out for support is the third way to handle ambiguous loss. Uh, the fourth way of dealing with ambiguous loss is to look for silver linings. Oh, yeah. Now, I know you're like, oh, man, I know, Leo, you ain't hitting us with that old positivity, with that old Hey, at the end of every tunnel is a bright light. No, no, no. That's I'm not even I'm not even talking about that. I'm not talking about that toxic positivity. What I'm saying is is no matter what situation you're in, there is something that can tether you, that can ground you. It is not necessarily a silver lining or a bright light, but something that you can hold on to that that not, maybe it doesn't lift you or elevate you but it prevents you from sinking deeper and and it gives you some type of consistency or or purpose i give you an example there's this book i read called unbroken and the, the guy um, was a, a olympic he was training for the olympics and then he has to join a war and he gets shot down, and he's captured, and you know he's in his uh, his camp, his prisoner of war camp, for years. And he said the thing that kept him going was a chicken, a chicken, a chicken kept him. He said there, he's like there was all this, uh, this war and famine and uh, and pain and and just um, uh, there, there was so much so much chaos and catastrophe around him. But this chicken, he saw this chicken every day, just, just, just 
chickening away. And he said something about the fact that even with all the bombs going off and people yelling and being beaten and all, but he's like, but this chicken is just walking around like, like nothing's going on. And it was just something about the neutrality of that chicken that he, he latched onto. And we see this, we've seen this through, throughout the beginning of time where, especially when you think about the native Americans and any, like where we kind of try to, um, is it imbibe or imbue or, or we try to take on spirit animals, right? Where we go, oh yeah, like, uh, you know, I want to be like a lion or somebody might pick a rhinoceros or a fox or um, I forget what my, there's a way to figure out what your animal is. And what was I? Oh, uh, it was, it was like a, uh, like it was some type of bird, like a hummingbird or something, but but it, but it, not a, uh, I have to look it up, but, um, but that's what he tethered himself to. And that's what he focused on when, when he was being beaten and tortured and, and starved. And he, he just thought about the chicken. And so for you, I, I know you might feel like you're in a hole in a, in a, in a, just sinking deeper and you're alone. But there's a chicken somewhere. Somewhere there's a, you know, I, I, there was a, a, another movie where this person was in a hole and and, and he found a, a, a roach and befriended the roach. You know, it's just hanging out with the roach, talking to it. In the last episode, I talked about that with uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway where he befriends the, uh, uh, the, the volleyball, which I still haven't watched, by the way, but I will watch it. So you want to you want to find that, you know, um, I know because it can right now it can feel overwhelming and disheartening to know that things won't go back to the way they were. But it can also be an opportunity to create new meaning for yourself or with others. So find your chicken, find that that silver lining. All right. Uh, the fifth way to deal with ambiguous loss is get involved in a cause. We saw that with the the mothers of drunk driving, mad, right? Where it started because a woman lost her child to drunk driving. And she was like, okay, what can I do? So she took up the cause of starting mad, mothers against drunk driving. And, you know, we're seeing this now with, in America with the gun control where people are marching. I think today is Saturday, um, here in America, the 11th, and there's like 450 marches going on uh, throughout the country uh, against uh, gun control. So get involved in a cause. And it doesn't have to be something as big as gun control or drunk driving. It could be something in your neighborhood, in your community, right? Some people cope with loss through action, like, you know, joining organizations focused on different issues that that have personal meaning, find your personal meaning, right? Um, and it doesn't have to even be, here's the beautiful thing, it doesn't have, you have to be anything related to a big cause. Uh, you know, it could be joining a book club or a motorcycle club or uh, a swimming, you know, I have friends who are part of swimming clubs. There's so many different clubs for so many, there's a, 
there's a club for people who want to live forever, right? And they get together and, and, and uh, they talk about all the different science and research. There's Comic-Con. That could be your cause where, uh, you, you know, you, you really want to shout the, the benefits of, of being a superhero or DC versus Marvel. What, whatever it is, it's your thing, you know. And, and, but we only get that when we take the time to listen to ourselves. So get involved with, and your cause could even be a person, whether that's mentoring someone, uh, volunteering. There's so many people who need like a babysitter or somebody maybe needs help with their um, uh, kids who need help with homework. Um, just there's so many ways for us to be involved and it can start small and then maybe it goes to something bigger. But um, I know one of the things that I was doing, I was baking bread and then just giving it away. I didn't even eat the bread. I just, I was like, I just need to bake and I need to share it because uh, I just want to connect with people in the neighborhood. And and that was great. And then I started giving away uh, books. So maybe you're creating something, not even for financial gain, and then just sharing it or giving it away or posting photos. I've seen people do that where they make something and they post a process on social media and then they start to get a, a following like that. But there's so many ways to get involved in a cause. Um, the sixth way, the last way to deal with ambiguous loss is to be kind to yourself. Try giving yourself grace and gentleness as you work through your grief. This is a time for self-compassion. Be kind to yourself when you're struggling with difficult emotions, the same way you would provide compassion to someone else if they were experiencing what you are. And we are so tough on ourselves and then we give so much room to other people. What? That's not fair. That is not fair, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, boys and girls, people of the world, it's not fair. It's not fair that you're letting everybody else off the hook, but, uh, but you're keeping yourself on the hook, still beating yourself up about something from 5, 10, 20 years ago, but everybody else gets a pass, be kind to yourself. And here's the beauty of it. The better practice you get at being kind to yourself, because it is a skill. It is a skill. It does require practice. The better you get at that, being kind to yourself, the better uh, you get at being kind to others. And then it becomes this state of which you will exist in for most of the time. There's still going to be times where you kick yourself, right? That's part of being human again. It's part of the human experience, and that's okay. But uh, be kind. Be kind to yourself. Ba, 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 ba. And I know that it's hard to be kind to yourself. You know, when I was breaking down in the car crying, I said, all right, Leo, you know what? One, 
if I had a little too much sugar today, because, you know, sugar makes me emotional. Uh, two, we haven't had a nap. Um, three, we haven't worked out in a way that would allow me to release the endorphins and the dopamine and serotonin. So maybe really what I need to do is um, go to an infrared sauna to get my heart rate up, right? Um, and so when we're kind to ourselves, we're not letting ourselves off the hook. We're saying, oh, here's what may be contributing to my experience right now. And then so here's what I can do in the future. So now I can put a plan in place. Now I can put a plan. If I just beat myself up, beating myself up and criticize, that's actually letting me off the hook. Because if I go, man, I suck, man. I'm awful. I'm terrible. Okay, well, that, that just means that there's nothing I can do about it because that's who I am, and that's the way I'm always going to be. So uh, I, I guess, uh, you know, this is it. I, that means I don't have to try. I don't have to put any effort in. It doesn't require any engagement. I don't have to, no, no need in reaching out for help because I'm just a terrible person. I'm just always sad, right? So when we beat ourselves up, when we're not kind and compassionate to ourselves, we're letting ourselves off the hook. And that's not fair either because I can guarantee for anyone who's listening, there are people who look up to you. There are people who look up to you and you don't even know that they're looking up to you. And there are things that you care about that you've forgotten you care about because we haven't sat with ourselves long enough. And when I say sit with yourself, I'm talking about minus the drugs, minus TV, minus social media, minus the porn, minus the food, minus sex. I'm talking about just you and you alone, quiet and and seeing what's there. And if and if it if it's too much to to handle, reach out. Ask for help. So I hope that that it brings some uh, understanding to ambiguous loss. I didn't realize I was going to talk that extensively <laughs> about that. Um I <laughs> So let me I want to get through some of these other things that that I also want to talk about. Um, so I read this article and it was talking about know your enemy, know your enemy. And I, I didn't I've always shied away from that, this idea of know your enemy. I was like, why would you want to know your enemy? That is insane in your brain. I don't like the idea of having an enemy. I feel like that makes uh, it gives you a hardened heart. I just want to love everybody. But what I realize is an enemy is not, doesn't just have to be a person. Sometimes it's helpful to have an enemy um, that's an idea, that's a cause. It could be a corporation. Like, what are you fighting against? Because sometimes having an enemy can be the thing that gets us out of bed every morning, that, that can give us purpose, give us meaning. I have a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Schultz. Uh, he's doing very well career-wise. And he talked about how he keeps a list of the people who have wronged him. 
And when I listened to that, I was like, why would you want to walk around with that? Like, I don't, I just, I just want to forgive and forget. I don't, I don't want to remember who has wronged me and why and, and all of that. But, uh, but it fuels him. And, and if that works for him, great. His career is doing great. He's married. Uh, that seems to be going well. He has a, a good group of friends. That's what works for him. And I realize that my enemy is not typically without, but it's within. My enemy is uh, boredom, um, uh, anxiety, loneliness, uh, exhaustion, um, uh, you know, poor boundaries. Like to to identify the the habits, certain habits that I have that are my enemy. You know, if I sitting on a couch. Oh my God! Sitting on a couch is an enemy. I I need to write that. I need. I'm. A, you know what? Actually, I'm inspired now. I'm gonna. <laughs> I am gonna write a list of my enemies. And when I think about an enemy, it's it's. I, oh wait, how do they even define enemy? Let's let's look that up. Enemy, enemy definition: a person who is actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. Well. Uh. Sure. Okay. I don't know if if the couch and boredom really qualifies as uh, an enemy, but I will say, I will say, it could it leads to hostility, because when I'm bored, that's when I I start overeating. Um, I go to food, drugs, sex, porn. It 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 becomes very hostile very quickly. So. Uh, there, there's some things that just don't look like an enemy. It's like a, a sheep in wolf's clothing, right? Um, like, hey, why don't you just have a drink? And you're like, sure, a drink. But then if that one drink leads to 10 drinks, one drink is the enemy, right? We tend to think of 10 drinks as being the enemy. But if one drink leads to 10 drinks, one drink is the enemy, right? Um, so just knowing you know, listing your enemies. And I, I love that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that after. I'm, I'm so excited now. to, But I, you know, I also like to write. So for some of you, maybe you don't like to write as much as I do. Maybe drawing a picture or just talking to people about your enemy to, to keep it. Uh, but it can, it can be an idea. It can be a value. It can be a cause, you know, whether it's gun control, like, Whatever your enemy is, whatever, you know, <laughs> hopefully it's not a, a, a person, but, but maybe it is a person. Maybe it is somebody you're fighting against. And the beauty of an enemy is that it doesn't have to be permanent. It doesn't have to be a permanent enemy. Uh, so our enemies change, you know. Like, remember, we, we were at war with Vietnam. We are at war with Japan. And now we're allies and, and you know, we're doing trade. And all those things. So enemies don't have to be permanent. Maybe you know you have your enemy of the week. <laughs> it could be it could be sugar. It could be um, alcohol. Like whatever your enemy is, it could be uh, you know YouTube. Figure out it could be too much news. What's your enemy? Pick your enemy, and 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 post that somewhere. Put it on a wall. Most unwanted. <laughs> I'm having too much fun. I'm having too much fun. Um, and and side note, side note, 
I, I, I want to say that uh, the, the beautiful thing about recognizing ambiguous loss versus saying a major depression or I'm just losing my mind is that with ambiguous loss does come creativity. And it really is an opportunity um, to create and to express and to share. When, when we're going through a major depression, then even brushing your teeth and getting out of bed is the hardest thing in the world, right? We, we don't have the energy to do anything. But with an ambiguous loss, there are depressive signs of, of crying um, and tears and, and, and wallowing. Um, but, there's, but we still have, uh, we still are able to get out of bed in the morning, brushing our teeth, Calm, like those things don't feel as laborious uh, and, and as much of a burden uh, with an ambiguous loss. So it's an opportunity, it's a signal, I should say, for you to take action if you're recognizing what you're going through as an ambiguous loss. It's an opportunity for you to take some kind of action. And that's why I'm doing this podcast right now at this moment because I was like, I really need the podcast. I'm going through so much. And that's all that was ringing in my head was I need, to, I, need to, I need the podcast. I need to put something out there. And so I'm so grateful that I have you, the listeners, uh, to, that are tuning in. And I'm glad that I have this outlet to uh, express myself and, and, and put things out there. Uh, so going back, so name <laughs> your enemy. And so I'm going to write ambiguous loss down as an enemy because now I can, because the sooner I'm able to identify it in the future, the sooner I can um, take action, right? And, and, and then not be afraid of it. I don't have to be fearful or avoidant. I can embrace, engage, and express, okay? Um. So, yeah, name your enemy. It could be a value, idea, individual. It could be a group. It could be stupidity. It could be smugness, materialism. Name your enemy, right? Um, and, and going on, I, you know, sometimes when I'm stuck between uh, decisions, one of the things, uh, this is the third thing I want to talk about, one of the, the questions I ask myself, am, am I working towards recovery or relapse? Recovery or relapse? For all my listeners out there who are struggling with addiction, we, we know what actions can lead us to a relapse. And we, we're aware of, excuse me, of what actions can help lead us to recovery. And so the, the, the sooner we are aware of that, and this, this can go back to making a list of, oh, if I hang out with this person or if I go there or if I watch this or if I listen to that or if I eat this, like what, what are those patterns that lead us to relapse and what are the patterns that lead us to recovery? I know if I have too much sugar, Oh my God, sugar and suicide ideations are 
intimately linked. And intimate is probably not the best word, but um, I, I, I just become an emotional wreck the more sugar I have in my system. And it makes sense because alcohol breaks down into sugar. We know the effects that alcohol can play on us emotionally and mentally and, and, and physiologically and, you know, just the inflammation that it can cause. So for me, one of my enemies is also sugar. Sugar is not my friend. And I'm not talking about um, that comes from berries. And, I, and I, I said berries specifically because sugar from like mangoes and grapes, though, that's not, for some reason, the way it breaks down in my body, it causes me pain on my right side. So, so grapes, mangoes, um, there are some other fruits out there that are the enemy. And then there's some, oh, apples. I don't know what the hell is in an apple, but uh, my body is not happy when I have an apple. Uh, but I can do berries. Berries are friendly. Come on in, berries. Come on in, raspberries, blackberries, uh, strawberries. Straw. I know strawberries are like on that. Don't eat strawberries, but you just have to know where to get them. So ask yourself, is what you're doing right now, is that the, are you on a path to recovery? Or are you on a path to relapse? And relapse, when I talk about addiction, I, I'm not just talking about, you know, meth and crack and heroin and, and fentanyl and all those things, or even uh, sexual addiction. Just whatever your addiction is. I know for me, the later I stay up, the more um, I'm headed towards relapse. The, the less sleep I have, the more tired I am. Um, you know, if I don't work out, if I don't get, like, there's so many things that I go, Leo, you know, you need to do this or else you're going to, you know, if I don't practice guitar, if I don't talk to people, if I don't, re like, there's just so many things that, I, I go, all right, if I go, this is the path to recovery, that's the path to relapse. And it's not about being 100% on one path or the other. We're talking about life, right? But just doing your best and, and, and just knowing and just being able to recognize what path you're on. Like, oh, uh-oh, I, uh-oh, I, uh-oh, ooh. Is this, are, is this what we're doing? Are you sure? Because you know what happens when you, okay, just, just so that you're aware, right? It's, you know, it's like when, when you're about to, when you go to the pool and they have the warning signs up, there's no lifeguard, so. <laughs> there's no lifeguard, so if you jump in the pool, if you want to run around the pool, if you, if you want to dive into the pool, there's no one here. To save you there's the sign all right so just being i like i like questions am i working towards recovery or relapse and and if you find yourself working more towards relapse that's you know when you you, tr you jam your system and you reach out for help or you do one thing just do one thing on the recovery side whatever that whether that's journal for you know three sentences or you meditate for a minute or for, or for 10 exhales. Just do one thing on a recovery side. Just try, try to jam the system and slowly work your way back to 
recovery. And and even sometimes I'll post on social media, hey, uh, I'm, I'm trying to work my way back to recovery, so here's what I pledge to do today. Just so I have that social accountability. I use social media for that. Um, and then you'll get all this love and support. So that's another creative way of, of seeking help without seeking help without raising any red flags, you know, depending on where you live is to post on social media. Hey, I'm going to walk a thousand steps today. And you don't have to say, Hey, I'm depressed. I'm struggling with depression and anxiety and I'm having suicidal thoughts. So I need to go for a walk. You could just say, you know what? I just, my goal for today is to get a thousand steps, whatever that is. So you can post your goals and then get that type of support towards your goals as opposed to feeling supported towards your pain where that, that might compromise you in some way. So we have to be creative. We have to be creative. Um, the fourth thing I want to talk about is room for improvement. Sometimes people will say, Oh, yeah, there's always room for improvement. But I discovered recently there's not always room for improvement. I've been trying to do an overhead bodyweight squat. That's been my goal for years, overhead bodyweight squat. And then when I go to my physical therapist, he goes, not everybody can do an overhead bodyweight squat. And I said, what? Why? He goes, not everybody's built like that. Sometimes the the way your your skeletal structure is, it doesn't allow for that. And I go, are you serious? I thought if I just work towards it, towards anything, I can achieve it. He goes, no, 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 that's not true. It's because people believe that. He goes, he goes, yes, maybe you will be able to achieve that, but at what cost? You, you might require hip surgery or knee surgery because you're putting your body into an unnatural position. There are, there are people who are built a certain way that can do that very easily. And then there's some of us who uh, are just more stable. And I love, see, there's the reframe. I thought I had been so caught up in trying to be flexible and trying to have full range of motion that um, I forgot and, and didn't realize that it just means I'm more stable because I know people who are super flexible. You know, you got gymnasts and acrobats and they get injured. They get hurt. I have, I know yoga instructors who have all types of shoulder back and knee injury because they're so flexible. They're so rubbery. And, and so being really flexible and being uh, really stable, which I, I love how he reframed it, we need both. This is part of what diversity is in that we have to have a diverse range of bodies and movement and capabilities so that we all together um, can work together. That's that's why there is diversity in the world. That's why some of us are short and some of us are really tall and some of us are, you know, the average height and some of us are dark and some of us are light because together we can work together and get things done. If we were all the exact same, then if we'd all be wiped out by the same thing, and and it it, it wouldn't it would be boring. Who, who wants to live in that world? 
I don't want to. <laughs> but, you know, part of why we travel is so that we can go to different restaurants and have different experiences, right? So last thing I, I, I want to talk about is um, uh, global warming. And so many people, I have my friends who are therapists, they have a lot of people coming to them because they're anxious about global warming and the end of the world, and they feel like uh, they're a burden to it. First, you know, they're worried about, like, is it, what year is this all going to end, and am I contributing to it? Here's the thing. When we're struggling with suicide ideations, um, we're, we're already feeling like a burden to our families, to our friends, the community, uh, ourselves, what have you. And so now this whole global warming thing, the news and the media is making it seem like humans are a burden to the planet. Let me remind us that humans have been on Earth for a, a few million years. What, 200, 200 million years? And the Earth is how old? How old is the Earth? All right, the, the Earth is 4.5 billion years. The Earth is 4.5 billion years. And uh, has man been on Earth? And man has been on Earth uh, 300,000 years ago, okay? So the Earth has been here almost 5 billion years. Humans have been on Earth for 300,000 years. In that time, in the time that the Earth has been around, there have been five, I think, five extinction-level events, it, meaning events that have sought out to, quote-unquote, destroy the world. You had um, the frozen, um, the, where the Earth froze over. There's a bunch of fires. There was floods. I mean, it was, it was all biblical, right, these extinction-level events. And I bring that up to say, don't, so don't let, remember the dinosaurs, we didn't wipe out the dinosaurs. That, that's, that's what nature does. Nature is, it creates and it destroys. And human beings, human beings are not separate from nature. We are a part of nature. So... We, we come from nature. We weren't, remember, we weren't always here. Nature didn't have to create us. If you believe in God, God didn't have to create us, but he did. And so we're not a burden to the planet. It's not on us. That the planet, if the planet has, remember, things happen in patterns. If the planet has undergone five extinction-level events, then it's going to be a, a sixth one and a seventh one and an eighth one. That's just how things go. We got the Big Bang Theory. We have black holes. We know that stars uh, burn out and become uh, black holes, and then it becomes supernovas. This is just the nature of things. Creation, destruction. Creation, destruction. Expansion, contraction. This is the nature. So we are not a burden. Now, Okay, even if you said, well, we have the ability to blow the planet up, so we're, we're speeding, we can speed things up. It, it, listen, come, I don't know if you ever saw a picture 
of the earth compared to the sun. But we're a freckle. We're a freckle compared to the sun. So we are not a burden. We are doing what nature does. And don't think that we're smarter because we have brains. I think that's the other part is we think that we're so smart. Remember, we are, are just from an anatomy, physiological perspective, our brains are primarily broken down into two parts. The prefrontal cortex, which is up front, and then we have the, the, the animal, the limbic system, the animal brain, which is fight, flight, or freeze. We are still mostly animal brain. We just got the prefrontal cortex two days ago. We're just learning. We're just learning how to think. And we have all these people like Einstein and Elon Musk and people who are, and, but we're still, remember Einstein's, you know, he married his cousin and, and Elon Musk has been married like three, like even the smartest of us, Bill Gates cheated on his wife. Like even the smartest of us, we're not so smart, right? And, and, and the intelligence that we see displayed is built on the intelligence of people who've been around, uh, of, of the people who've been around before us for the last 300,000 years. So don't be like, I don't want you to feel like a burden. We need you here. Nature created you for a reason. Remember, it didn't have to create you. It's nature been, the earth been around for 4.5 billion years. So it wanted some company and we're here. We're going to hang out. And, you know, and whatever happens, happens. So it's up to you, it's up to us to make the best of it on our, on our own and not feel like, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're doing harm. Just take care of what's around you. But th- thinking about the world is too much. It's too much to bear, right? So just do your best to take care of you it starts with you and make sure that you're not polluting yourself we're, we're always talking about polluting the planet but make sure we're not polluting ourselves with news that doesn't feed us that doesn't nourish us that doesn't fulfill us so let's not increase our personal warming we're always talking about global warming but don't you know because remember when we get angry and angry like our our t- body temperature it rises so you know we don't need any leo warming we don't need any you warming i don't we don't need you to to get all hot and bothered so you stay cool by you staying cool and calm you help keep the earth cool and calm Thank you for joining me for another episode of Before You Kill Yourself. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you reaching out for help. Calling the numbers in any of the um, in the show notes, the 1-800-SUICIDE or 1-800-273-TALKS. You can go to betterhelp.com forward slash Leo for your 10% off. 
You can go to Thrive with Leo for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow. Together, together, I love you forever.